Have you guys ever been in a situation where you just had to figure something out? You find yourself plopped in a situation, and you have to problem solve. You have to figure it out. Um, sometimes it turns out okay. Sometimes it doesn't turn out all that great. Marge and I like to um, take off in the summer for a little while, and we, we, we take our Jeep up to Colorado, and uh, we go four-wheeling back in the backcountry of Colorado. It's a blast. Um, beautiful country. It's just, it's just good to get away, and there's usually you know, five, six, seven Jeeps that all are up there at the same time, and we meet in the morning, and we just caravan someplace and pull off the road and just drive. And it's just a blast. And there are certain places that we always go. We've been doing this for a number of years. So there's places that we always go. And one of the places that they like to go to is a, is a place called Little Black Bear. And um, it's, it, it's a fun ride. Uh, if you've ever been four-wheeling, the roads are just big enough for, like, your Jeep. Um, and it, there's this fun, gnarly stuff that you get to do. And, and at this particular ride, um, they like to go there because when you get there, there's just a bunch of rocks. And, and they like to, they like rocks. I don't know what it is, but they break them open and there's crystals inside and there's purple and all kinds of cool stuff inside there. And so we always go there. They break open the rocks and do all that kind of stuff. Marge likes to do that. You know, I had a backpack. She filled them up with rocks. You know how that goes. And, um, and, and you know, some of us, they go to this place where there's just this big rock slide that had come down the mountain. And... Um, there's a plateau on top of the rock slide, and then back on top of the plateau is a lake. All the snow on the mountains melt, and it just drains down into this lake, and it's just beautiful. So several of us decide to climb up and go to the plateau to take pictures up there and to see what else is up there as far as rocks and all kinds of stuff is concerned. So four or five of us went up there, and then I was taking pictures, and it was just awesome. And they said, well, we want to go back down. I said, well, go ahead, because I want to go back to where, where, where the lake is farther and take a better picture along the whole length, length of the lake with the mountains in the background and the snow. And I was going to impress my wife with, you know, about how great of a photographer I am, all that good stuff. And so I take all these pictures, and I'm heading back down. And it's easy to find because it's a rock slide. So you just walk along the edge till you see the rock slide, then you walk down the rock slide. And so I did, and I walked down the rock slide. I get to the bottom of the rock slide, and there was no Jeeps. I go, that's weird. And um, I thought, well, there's two things I can do. I, I must have come down at the wrong place, obviously. So there's two options. I can either climb back up, which didn't sound like a very good idea, and find the one that was the right one, or I could go out where it's more level and find the road, which should be out here somewhere, and then I'll just walk along the road to find where the Jeeps are which made more sense to me in my um, infinite wisdom. So I did. I walk out, and lo and behold, there was the road. So I turn up the road, and I start walking up the road, by the way, with the backpack full of rocks that my wife gave me just in case there were rocks up on that plateau that I needed to pick up. Um, and so I walk up the road, and I go around a corner, and there's no Jeeps. I go, this is bizarre. I could not have walked that far. So I keep going. And I go around the next corner, and there's no Jeeps. And I'm going, well, this, is, this is ridiculous. And, and so then I go around the next corner, and, and it dead ends. The road goes into a mountain. And I'm going, oh, man, I'm on the wrong road. <laughs> or I went the wrong way. So by now, it's starting to rain. And if it's raining, and you're on goat trails, and there's just enough room for your Jeep tires, for some reason, people get really nervous when it gets real slippery and slick and stuff like that. Um, 
So now I'm going, oh, great. It's raining. People are upset. I, they're looking for me, I'm sure. I'm not there. And so I start, I start going back the other way. And, and it was uphill all the way there. So I'm tired. And I turn around, and now I, I'm running. And I don't know how God does this, but it was uphill on the way back. <laughs> I hate it when he does that. And, and, and so I'm trying, to, I'm trying to hurry. Well, I'm at a high elevation. And as you can see, I'm in, I'm in the greatest shape a physical person could be in. <laughs> I'm young and strong and vibrant. I am exhausted. And I got this backpack with like 10,000 pounds of rocks that march us. I'm starting to throw things off to lighten the load. And I'm literally exhausted. I can hardly breathe. And it's raining. And I know they're mad at me and all kinds of stuff. And I, I go, I, can't, I don't even know if I'm on the right road. And I finally come around a corner, and I hear this voice, Dave, Dave, it's these little 20-year-old girls coming looking for me. And they found me. So they go back, oh, we found them, we found them, we found them. And everybody rejoiced, and we got in our Jeeps and went down the, down the, the road. And to, de- to this date, if we ever go on a trip, when we park our Jeeps, they go, okay, who's watching Dave? <laughs> I have no idea why. But they always assign somebody to me, and wherever I go, they go. Um, or they put a bell around my neck so that they know where I am all the time. But it, it seemed like it was a smart thing to do at the time. I mean, I felt like I know where I was. I felt like I made the right decisions. But sometimes they just don't work out the way you think they should work out. Isn't that how it happens sometimes? Well, as we go through the last three chapters of Ruth, if you're here last Sunday, you know we started in Ruth chapter 1. And we got through Ruth chapter 1, and actually we finished a little bit early last Sunday, if you noticed. Um, now we're going to go through 2, 3, and 4, so we're going to finish way late this morning. So we'll be okay. It'll balance itself out. And I want, I want to look at Ruth, and like I said earlier, um, the, the person of Ruth is just so impressive. And so there's these characteristics that we'll see as we go through these three chapters that talk about her being somebody who takes initiative and problem solves, that she's somebody who listens to wise counsel, that she's somebody who has a humble heart and lived her faith out and persevered and didn't lose heart. And so we're going to see this person as we go through this book. And the reason I did it this way is I didn't want to lose the context of the story because the story really is what is so powerful. So as we go through this, I want us to see this person in the context of what she's experiencing. Um, And rather than trying to throw those slides up, it's easier, I think, if you just have them there. Okay, so as we start Ruth chapter 2, it gives us a little insight on what's going to be going on because the writer says that Naomi had a kinsman for her husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Okay, just to give us some insight. Then we get into the story in chapter 2. It says, Ruth... The Moabitess said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after one in whose sight I may find favor. And then she said to her, go, my daughter. So she departed and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. So it's interesting to me. If you were here last week, why did Naomi come back to Bethlehem? See, I forget the messages when Doug does it too. By like Sunday night, I forget what he said. So here's what happens. She, she went to Bethlehem, she went to Moab because there was a famine in the land. They had no food. So Elimelech takes her and, her and her two sons to Moab. 
where they can find food. As soon as he gets there, he dies. Okay, just like a husband, right? Take the wife there and then, you know, messes it all up. So he passes away. So the two sons say, we're going to get married, carry on the family line. The two sons pass away. So here's Naomi trying to take care of her two daughters. They can't um, find sustenance. And then she, then she hears that God has blessed his people with food in Bethlehem. So she comes back to Bethlehem. Is that okay? Were you with me? So I was able to tell that whole sermon in like 30 seconds. I don't know what took me so long last Sunday, but that's what happens. That's where we are. So now if, if they're back where God has blessed them with food, why is Ruth going to glean in the fields? When you glean in the fields, well, who gleans in the fields are people who, who are, are poor, people who don't have. And what, what God has provided is when they, when they harvest, they get the stalks, they cut the stalks off, they put the sheaves in piles. And when they, as they do that, some of the grain falls to the ground. Any of that grain that falls to the ground, people can follow behind them and gather it up. That's how they get their food. If somebody doesn't have the resources to provide for themselves, God provided that and told the Israelites, you cannot pick up all these leftovers because people are going to pick up these leftovers. And so he provided for those who were poor in that way. So apparently things didn't get a whole lot better for, for Naomi and Ruth when they got back to Bethlehem. And Ruth said, hey, we need some food, so can I go follow somebody and pick up their leftovers? That's important for us to understand because as we talked about last Sunday, the challenge with faith is that it is so daily, amen? It happens every single day. We need to trust God every single day. And do things go right for us every single day? No, no. We get back to Bethlehem expecting good things to happen, and it doesn't seem like good things are happening. But when that happens, we saw Naomi do it as she decided to come back. We see Ruth doing it as she goes, hey, let me go provide some food. Let me go get some food. And she does that, and there's a couple things I want us to see. One is she goes to Naomi and says, hey, is this okay? Is this a good idea? That's not a bad thing when you're problem-solving when you're taking initiative, is go to somebody that kind of knows more than you do and say, hey, is this a good idea? What do you think about this? That could solve us, for, that could keep us from making a lot of mistakes. And then she was humble in it. She goes, please, what do you think? Please, should, let me go glean in the fields. That's a great thing. Her humble heart went to Naomi with some initiative and some problem solving saying, hey, what do you think? Naomi goes, yeah, I think that's a good idea. So it says that she did that. She went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. <clears throat> and it's interesting when you problem solve. It's interesting when you're taking initiative and you're doing some things because sometimes good things do happen. And it says that she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Interesting, huh? What do we know about Boaz? He's wealthy, huh? He's rich. Wow. Wasn't she lucky? She happened as she was taken, as she was, as she was gleaning, that she happened on the field of Boaz. Now behold, in verse 4, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, may the Lord be with you. And they said to him, may the Lord bless you. I love that. So we're getting a glimpse of the type of man that Boaz is. Wouldn't you love it when you walked in the office if somebody said, oh, may the Lord bless you. <laughs> Wouldn't you love that? That would be great. 
And, and they, they loved him because they said, oh, may the Lord bless you. And then Boaz said to his servants who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? So apparently he, he didn't know who Ruth was. He, so he asked, who is this person? And the servant in charge of the reapers replied, she is a young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. And she said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Thus she came and has remained from the morning until now. She has been sitting in the house for a little while. Then Moaz said to Ruth, Listen carefully, my daughter. Do not glean in the other field. Furthermore, do not go from this one, but stay here with my maids. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Indeed, I have commanded the servants not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. So here's here's Boaz taking care of her, giving her advice, giving her counsel. And here's how she responds. As a humble person, she says, she fell on her feet, on her face, bowing to the ground and saying to him, why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? How humble. And Boaz replied to her in verse 11, all that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me. How you left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. May the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wing you have come to seek refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and indeed have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. I love this. Because what was, what, was, what, was, what was Ruth doing? Ruth came back with Naomi and she says, I want your God to be my God. I want your people to be my people. I'm going to go where you go. I'm going to die where you do. I'm going to be buried where you're being buried. And she was somebody who took Naomi's God and, and lived in, in, in according to, to Naomi's um, relationship with God. She was growing. She was um, understanding some of that stuff. And people were noticing her faith. She was walking in faith. And people noticed that. Boaz, Boaz heard of it. And that's exciting. See, sometimes when we're going through our day, isn't it, isn't it a challenge sometimes to continue to walk in faith when things don't seem to be going right? I mean, it's nice to be here on Sunday morning and then we can be all happy and joyful and high-five each other and say, man, God is good. And then we get outside and before we get to the corner, somebody cuts us off and we just lose our salvation, right? <laughs> and it's like that fast, that fast. And the challenge with faith is being somebody who reflects Christ in all circumstances. And somebody says, you know, I didn't know who you were, but I've heard of you. And that's, that's Boaz. Boaz says, hey, you know, I've, I heard of you. I've heard of the person that you are. And when we walk in faith, sometimes that people wouldn't recognize that. You know, we don't recognize what's going on. We don't understand how people recognize what we're doing and how we're behaving and how we're living. But they do. And it's a powerful impact that we, that we can have when we're people who are walking in faith, walking in obedience to Christ all the time, especially when nobody's paying attention, especially when we don't think anybody notices. It's so important. I was taking um, somebody to the airport. Actually, it was Daniela, Daniela Sider. Got to go home for a summer vacation. And we're talking about how people drive. Isn't it interesting that, that when you get behind the wheel of a car, you are a totally different person that you are if you're like around people. Because, I mean, think about it. If you were in a movie theater 
Would you ever think that if there's a line that you could just kind of somehow move out of the line and wander up, and as soon as somebody didn't kind of close the gap soon enough, you could just step right in again? But could you do that? I mean, you would never do that, right? But you get in a car, and it makes total sense, right? If there's this line of cars, and you can move over a lane and just go 15 cars up, and somebody, you know, isn't paying attention, they're texting or something, then you can just move right in front of them. It's just, it's just amazing how our social values change because we're in a car instead of in, in interaction. And we're, we're talking about that kind of stuff. And she goes, yeah, my, my girlfriend was saying that she doesn't put any, any bumper stickers on her car that says she's a Christian because she doesn't want people to know that she's a Christian the way she drives. You know? But, but, but isn't that the case? You know I mean? People know what our belief system is. And, and sometimes we're, we're waiting behind somebody who doesn't start fast enough from our green line and we're yelling out our window. What are you waiting for? You know, and everybody's looking, isn't that the pastor over at that church? (laughs) But you know, when we're faithful in the little things, people pay attention to that. People see that. People recognize that. And it says at 14 that at mealtime, Boaz said to him, come here that you may eat the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers, and this is awesome. This tells you who Boaz is. It says, he served her roasted grain and she ate and was satisfied and had some left. Isn't that awesome? This guy has a bunch of servants sitting around, and he got the stuff, and he served her. That's important as we look at the story, that it was Boaz who served Ruth. And then look at this. So verse 15, then what did she do? She rose to glean. <laughs> so she got up, And she went back into the fields, and she followed the people behind picking up leftovers again. So all of this stuff happens. She sees Boaz. She meets Boaz. Boaz says, oh, may the Lord reward you, and may your wages be full from the Lord and the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. And she says, great. That's great, because if if we were listening to one of those messages today, what would they be telling you? Oh, you're going, to be, you're going to become a millionaire. God is going to bring wealth upon you. God is going to bestow you with wealth because you've been so faithful. Isn't that the message so often that we get? Because our culture so monetarizes that stuff, but that's not God's message. Certainly, God allows us as we walk faithfully, he blesses us. But how God blesses us and how we may choose to be blessed may, may be completely different. So here is Ruth who meets Boaz. Boaz is pretty impressed with her. And then she goes right back out in the fields doing what she was already doing. Nothing changed. She faithfully continued to be who she was. And then Boaz gives some direction to his people and said, hey, look at man, take care of her, leave some stuff behind for her. Even if she, she doesn't know what she's doing and she starts getting some of the good stuff, just leave her alone. And, and he, he took care of her. And it says that then she, she got all her stuff. She um, beat out the stuff. And she had an ephah of barley, which is a lot of grain. She got a lot of grain, more than normally somebody would get. So she goes back and um, she goes into the city in verse 18 with her mother-in-law. She had grain. She took all the stuff. And, uh, and then she even took the good stuff because Boaz fed her the good stuff, the roasted grain, the good stuff. 
and she ate it, but then she saved some. Why did she save some? Because she knew that when she got back home, she was going to have a mother-in-law who was going to get hungry and who was going to want the good stuff. Isn't that awesome? That's not how I think. I go, this is good stuff. I mean, I'm going to bring her a bunch of other stuff. She can deal with that. If she doesn't know that I have the good stuff, she won't be mad at me. Right? Don't we ever think that way? She didn't even think that way. She goes, man, this is good stuff. i got to save some for, for Naomi. That's somebody who's a humble servant who wants to serve the Lord and who's faithful in, in walking in obedience to God. So she, she gives the good stuff to Naomi, and her mother-in-law sees all the stuff that she has, and she goes, man, where did you glean today, and where did you work? May he who took notice of you be blessed. So she knew this was extraordinary. So... Uh, Ruth told her mother-in-law, which whom she had worked, and said, the name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi goes, ah, okay. May he be blessed of the Lord, who has not withdrawn his kindness from the living and to the dead. Again, Naomi said to her, the man is our relative. He is one of our closest relatives. Then Ruth the Moabite said, furthermore, he said to me, you shall stay close to my servants until they have finished all my harvest. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, that's good advice. You should keep that. So go with his maids, and so do uh, so that others do not fall upon you on another field. Okay? So she's getting great counsel. Now let's look at what happened as a result of all this blessing that God bestowed upon her. Verse 23. So she stayed close by the maids of Boaz in order to glean until the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. So she continued to glean throughout both harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. I want us to capture that. First of all, she gets some really good counsel from Ruth and from Boaz. And she responds to that counsel. And she walks in that counsel. But then she perseveres and doesn't lose heart. It seems like things might be picking up. But through it all, she continued to do what she was doing Gleaning until both harvests were completed. She continued to persevere in doing what she was doing. So often, doesn't it happen to us when we go, man, I just feel like God is doing this, and we have great expectations of what we think God's going to do, and it doesn't happen the way that we plan, and then we lose heart. We go, oh, must not have been the right thing. So there's a couple things that are really important as we're making those decisions, is make sure that we bounce that stuff off of people, but then we have to realize that, that when we're serving, that, that we need to be a people who persevere in that and don't lose heart. And Ruth was that. She continued to do what she was doing. She continued to walk by faith. She continued to do the humble stuff of following behind people and picking up stuff. A lot of us would go, forget this. This is beneath me. I'm not doing this anymore. This, this is ridiculous. You should have taken care of everything by now, God. But that wasn't Ruth. So now here's what happens when we get to verse 3. And this is where it starts getting really good. So Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, everything's done, the harvests are over. And she says, my daughter, and this is what I love about Naomi. She says, shall I not seek security for you that you may be well with me? See, we talked about that last week. Naomi's heart was so much concerned about her daughters-in-law. That's why she, when she was leaving, she says, you guys just stay here where you can be taken care of. Don't come back to me where I'm going to be a burden to you. You would be better off if you stayed here. And one of, the, one of the daughters-in-law says, yeah, you're right. The other one said, no way. Ruth said, no way. I'm staying. Where you go, I'm going to go. Your God's my God. She was so impressed with the person of Naomi 
that she stayed with her, and you can see that she started picking up some of the qualities of Naomi. And some of the stuff we talked about last week are the very same things we see Ruth doing this week because she picked up those qualities that Naomi had. So then Naomi gives her some, some direction. She says, now is not Boaz our kinsman in whose maids you were, or with whose maids you were? Behold, he winnows Harley in the, in the threshing floor tonight. Wash yourself therefore and anoint yourself and put on your best clothes and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. It shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies and you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will tell you what you shall do. <laughs> really? Really? Now, we, if you've read the rest of the story, you may go, okay, that's no big deal. Can you imagine being Ruth? So you've been following behind his maids, picking up leftovers. That's been what you do. You come to him and go, man, I can't believe you even, you even are, are willing to take care of me since I'm not even like your maids. I'm a foreigner. I'm not even good enough to be one of your maids. And so, so Naomi goes, well, get all dolled up. Get beautiful. Go down when he falls asleep, uncover his feet and lay down at his feet. It's like, that, that's like one-on-one on how to get fired, right? How to lose your job without even trying. But does that make sense? I mean, if you're just, I, I can imagine Ruth going, really? But what she didn't know is what Naomi knew. See, this is the value of being connected, and we talked about this a little bit last Sunday, and I want to talk about it again because this is so critical. Because what, what Ruth understood is that Naomi understood God's people. Naomi understood God's commandments. Naomi understood God's direction. Naomi, I mean, Ruth understood that Naomi knew these things. And so when, when, when Ruth sits under Naomi's counsel and sits under her advice and is connected with her, she knows that Naomi understands how God is leading. That's so powerful. It's so significant. And because of that, she said, I'll, I'll do what you tell me to do. I'll, I'll say what, what, I'll, I'll, what you say I will do. And see, for us, the, the, the application of that, I think, is so powerful because you know, when, when we're connected to people who know the Lord and who are in love with the Lord and who follow the Lord and who seek the Lord, that's where the power of, of our life comes from. And you know, the, the richness of this body is that we have so many people here who just love Jesus and it's demonstrated in so many different ways. And as Ruth was connected to Naomi and allowed Naomi's wisdom and experience and relationship with the Lord to strengthen her, we have so many people here that are serving the Lord, and we see it in a lot of different ways, don't we? In fact, I forgot to dismiss the kids because one of the teachers was going, I mean, and, and, and we do that every day, and there's somebody who goes and loves our kids. And there's somebody who volunteers to kind of head up that ministry. And we come in in the morning, and, and we're lifted into God's presence because there's a bunch of people who commit to um, leading us in song and in worship. And they, and they spend time and they're gifted in that. And we get to enjoy and participate in that. And there's, there's things that people do that we don't even pay attention to. I mean, there's people that will fix their neighbor's car just because they can do that. And just, it's a way to love people. We have people here that are um, taking people to the doctors and taking people to the store and you know, offering transportation. 
I mean, we have, we have people doing things that we don't even notice, but they're serving the Lord in amazing ways. Inviting somebody out to lunch or inviting somebody out to coffee or maybe bringing a meal to somebody who has needs. That stuff happens all the time in this ministry. Praise the Lord. All kinds of things are happening, you know, leading, leading our youth and loving our youth. Even, you know, participating in some athletic events and having game nights and just a lot of stuff that goes on in this ministry that allows people to connect to each other because that really is the significance of, of what we're all about as a body of Christ. I mean, people who come and, and take care of our fellowship time in between services, just an opportunity to serve so as we come and we connect together, we can grow together in our relationship with Christ. And I talked a little bit last Sunday about Marge, and one of the things that was most impactful for her, um, and probably the most impactful thing for her as she kind of really was able to um, grow again in her relation with Christ, was the woman's Bible study. And, you know, Debbie puts a lot of time and effort into that. And as a result, that was something Marge could go to and become connected with people. And kind of like I talked about a little last, last Sunday, that's a, that, that is a battle because the enemy wants us to isolate ourselves. If we're struggling and we're going through things, he wants us to withdraw from being around the body of Christ. He wants us to isolate. And Marge went through that, man. She struggled with going. She didn't want to go. She, she fought it. The enemy was telling her, no, you don't need to go. And she goes, well, if this happens, then I'll go. And then it would happen. She goes, wow, that was a fluke. If this happens, I'll go. You know, if a bird flies by, I'll go. Well, if he has an olive branch in his beak, then I'll go. You know, and, and she finally went. I mean, everything, and, and it was transformational because she was able to come together and connect with people. And, and maybe it's not the woman's Bible study for you. Maybe it's not grace groups for you. Maybe it's not the men's Bible study for you. Maybe it's not the athletic things for you. But I tell you, as a body, our desire is that we become people who connect with each other, who can love each other who we can go to and get counsel from and who can come to us and get counsel from so we can sharpen each other in Christ, so we can grow together in Christ. Because what happened in Ruth's life, a critical part of that was because she had two people who came in her life and gave her counsel and she listened to it. And she did it. As Boaz gave her direction, as Ruth gave her direction, she responded to what they were saying and how the Lord was leading them in her life. It's so important for us, if we're going to grow in Christ, is to understand that. Because let's look at it. What happened in Ruth's life? She, she took initiative. She listened to wise counsel. She had a humble heart. She lived her faith out. She persevered and didn't lose heart. Let's kind of look at, at um, 3, starting at verse 8, and just see a little bit about what happened. So in the middle of the night, Boaz wakes up, and his feet are cold, and he looks down, and he goes, wow, somebody's laying on my feet. And he said, who are you? And she said, now listen, you think Naomi coached her. How did she know to say this? Because she got wise counsel from somebody who understood what God's direction was. So she said, I'm Ruth, your maid. So spread your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative. Boaz knew exactly what she was talking about. So he said, may you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after a young man, whether poor or rich. Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask. Now, listen to this. For all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. How would you like somebody to say that about you? Amen. 
She was a woman of excellence. People recognized her walk in faith, even though she wasn't even, she had no intention of anybody. She was just being Ruth. How awesome is it to be just a child of Christ and have somebody recognize who you are in Christ? And so Boaz says, hey, I'm going to do what you, what you need to have happen. And so he goes to the city gate because we really aren't going to be here until 2 o'clock. Um, he, I'm going to tell you how it ends. So he goes to the city gate where all the elders are and all the elders are hanging out. And he says, hey, you guys, come on here. We've got to make a decision. And so when, you know, when they get, get a quorum going, they, he gets all these guys. And then, then he knows that the guy who's the first in line, because Boaz is the second in line to redeem uh, Naomi's property and Naomi. So... He goes, the guy that is first in line comes, he grabs the guy and says, hey, we need to talk. And all these guys are going to be my witnesses. You have the opportunity to redeem this. Will you do it? He goes, yeah. He goes, oh, by the way, you don't only have to redeem the land, you've got to take Ruth with it because you're going to carry on the lineage of Ruth. And he goes, well, I can't do that. I can't afford it. It would, it would take away from my inheritance. So Boaz goes, good, I'm going to do it. Does everybody agree to that? Did you witness that? He said he didn't want to do it, I'm going to do it. So then he became the redeemer and, and, and took the responsibility of redeeming the land, and then he took Ruth as part of that. Are you with me? So he could carry on the lineage. So he did that, and, and he and Ruth had a child. The child's name was Obed. Does anybody who know, know who Obed is? Jesse's father. Who's Jesse? The father of David. So, so Ruth becomes the great-grandmother of King David. Do you get that? She became the great-grandmother of King David. Do you think as she was following behind those reapers, picking up leftovers, she goes, it'll be worth it because I'm going to be David's great-grandmother someday. I'm going to have, my son is going to be, do you think that? No, she was walking faithfully knowing that God was God. Now here's what's even more powerful. Whose lineage came out of King David's lineage? Who came out of King David's lineage? Jesus. So she was a great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. That, do you get that? Do you think she had any idea that God was doing something like that while she was following behind these people picking up leftovers? No, of course not. So what is happening in your life that God just doesn't have a clue that's going on? He just doesn't know how miserable you are, how hard it is on you, how unfair it is. I mean, he just doesn't know. And, and, and if he just knew, he would fix it and get you back into his will and back into his plan for you. It's, it's, it's not, God knows what he's doing. And even more powerfully than that, this is even more unbelievable, is that this whole message of redemption, that she have a clue that, that her life was going to be a type of what Jesus was going to do for us. As Boaz came and redeemed her, as Boaz came and took what was separated from her and brought it back, and then, and then, and, and then included her into his family, and she became his bride. We have sinned and been separated from God, right? And how do we get redeemed? Because our Savior came and paid the price. He paid the price for us to be able to come into a relationship with Christ. And as Boaz took Ruth as his wife, 
Jesus takes us, the church, as his bride, right? And welcomes us into the family. What an unbelievable thing that happened in Ruth's life as she got to be a part of what Jesus is doing to us. She's the type of what Jesus does as he redeems us. And here's the thing that's so critical for us to understand, you guys, is that it's so easy to miss it when God is doing something. And when we're going through tough times and we're going through life, because walking in faith is just so daily. It is just so daily. It happens day by day by day by day. And sometimes things are pretty good and sometimes things aren't so good. Does that mean that God is not around? Does that mean God kind of slept through today? And see, as Ruth was somebody who took initiative, man, and and sometimes it's so easy, isn't it, for us just to sit and sulk. Things aren't going right, so I'm just going to be ER. It's nice knowing you. Thanks for noticing. Just as soon as this cloud leaves from over my head, I'll be happy. I'm just going to wait. Or we can take initiative. And in taking initiative, we can seek out wise counsel. There are so many people around us that um, are, are godly people that we can go to. And by the way, that you will have people coming to you as you grow in Christ, that you get to be a resource that God is going to use as we connect as a church. And as we walk by faith, as Ruth did, and have a humble heart, and then persevere, because sometimes things don't work out the way we think, but God is still God. Because I, I love... Um, the Doug Anition that, that he gave us on what biblical faith is, right? And if you weren't here last Sunday, the Doug Anition is the definition that Doug comes up with that is like no other definition. Um, and this is a great definition. Biblical faith is believing that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. I mean, th- that is so powerful because as we walk daily, God stays the same, right? When we're going through a tough time, does God stop being faithful? Does God stop being loving? Does God stop being good? Does he stop being powerful? Does he stop being present? Does he stop having an eternal purpose? Does he stop being God? No, God is always God. God is always good. God is always faithful. God is always in control. God is always God. Amen. Amen. And he will always do what he says he will do. So it's so freeing when we go, okay, well, I don't get it, but God does. I don't understand, but God does. I don't like it, but God's in control. That is what's so powerful about being able to walk daily in faith. And I don't know what God's going to do, but what a powerful thing as, as God birthed in Ruth, King David's lineage and Jesus' lineage, who knows what God is going to birth in you as you walk spiritually and as God does a spiritual work in you, and as God continues to move that spirit through you and, and work through you, and we don't know what's going to happen 10 years from now or 30 years from now or 30,000 years from now. We don't know what God's going to do. We don't know how God's going to work, but we do know that God is faithful, that God is good, that God is just, and God's plan is perfect, and we get to be a part of it, and we get to trust him that he can do it even as we're messing it up. Isn't that awesome to know? That to me is so encouraging. That I get to be a part of it. I get to mess it up, he gets to fix it. I get to mess it up, he gets to fix it. I get to mess it up, he gets to fix it. 
And I get to be a part of it. And he loves me all the time. He cares for me all the time. He's faithful to me all the time. He leads me all the time. He's in control all the time. He's God all the time. And I can rest in that. I'll tell you, as you leave today, I don't know what you're going through. But, but think, who, who, who is somebody I can go to to find counsel? Who's somebody I can go to that will help me sort through stuff? Who's somebody I can connect to? Who's somebody that I can build a relationship with? Because here's the reality. As we love God, and as God fills us, and as God strengthens us and works in us, God, God uses us to strengthen and love people. See, we love God. We love people. We love people because we know as we connect to people, we can have transforming stuff happen as God uses us. And that transforming stuff happens starts a ripple that goes all over the world, and we become a people who change the world. A lot of times, it's one person at a time. Sometimes it's bigger than we can imagine, but it's not too big for what God wants to do. It just depends on if we want to be people who really love him, who really connect with people, and who humbly walk in his ways. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you.